You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. Welcome to the 100 Huntley Street podcast. I'm your host today, Laura Watson, and I am so glad you're joining me. Well, today we're going to dive into a very important topic, something that we all battle with at some point, and the topic is shame. You know, shame is a very difficult emotion, and when it roots into us because of something we've done or something that's happened to us, it can completely change our worldview, our habits, our view of self, and actually the outcome of our lives. You know, and so it's so important to understand shame and also to face it and expose it and work on it. And I'm really thankful that today we're going to get to do that. I have a a special conversation coming up for you with Ken Shigematsu and my co-host Cheryl Weber on his new book, Now I Become Myself. And I'm just thrilled about this conversation. Um, You know, I think one of the realities is that we don't always know we're struggling with shame. But if we look at the emotions that shame causes, which mental health professionals can help us identify, we all realize at some point we've probably struggled with shame. So here are some of the emotions that shame can cause in our lives. The feeling that you're a bad person or that you're not good enough, uh, that you're worthless or that you're a fool or that you deserve bad things to happen to you. So if you've ever struggled with any of those ideas, then you know that there's probably shame connected there. And something else mental health professionals say is that shame needs three things to survive. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. You know, when you realize the issue of shame and the depth of shame and how it can impact us, um, you know, it really makes me and want to unpack my own shame. It wants me to, makes me want to encourage others to unpack their shame and to go to God with those things that are causing feelings uh, connected to shame so that we can no longer keep it in secret, no longer keep it silent and no longer allow um, judgment or feelings of judgment to overtake um, what God wants to do for us in the face of the negative things we've done or what's happened to us because God wants to heal us. And God wants to bring us into places of freedom. And that's exactly why he sent his son, Jesus, here to earth to atone for our sins and the mistakes that we've done and what's happened and what the mistakes that have happened to us. And then to help us move out of that place into full redemption and uh, full living. And so this conversation with Ken is going to be so great today. I can't wait to listen in with you. Ken is the lead pastor of 10th Church in Vancouver, British Columbia, a very dynamic and vibrant church. And he has so much to say about the topic of shame and equally the topic of God's love and how it can overcome our shame. Well, without further ado, in just a moment, here will be Ken's conversation. We live in a culture that tells us that money, fame, success will not only make us worthy, but will make us feel worthy. But is it true? My guest today says that none of that will fill what he calls the swish cheese holes in all of us. Ken Shigematsu, welcome. Thanks, Cheryl. Really good to be with you. It's so great to have you. And, you know, you've written a book about this that I love called Now I Become Myself. And you really dive into this whole idea of shame and and this whole topic for you came from this reoccurring dream you have. And I have to tell you, I've had dreams like that. And when I heard you share about it, I was thinking, that's what my dream means? So tell us about your dream. Yeah, so it's been a while since I've been a student, but for many years after I had this dream that I was facing an exam 
that I was completely unprepared for, in, maybe in science or in math. And I just have this wave of fear coming over me in the dream that my grades are gonna sink through the floor. Um, more recently, I've had a dream that I'm supposed to preach or give a speech somewhere and I have no idea what to say. And <laughs> I quickly scratch out an outline, look down at my notes, and all I see is a number sign, a greater than sign, the number three, an exclamation mark. Oh, no. And I just wing it and, and the auditorium empties. And so, uh, oh. yeah, the dream I think is telling me on a subjective or on a uh, subconscious level, I have this fear of not being enough. Mm, which you say we all, to some extent mm -hmm. or another, have. And when I heard you say that, I was like, that's what my dream means. Because I also, I'm also miss, just about missing planes or just yeah. missing the boat kind of thing. So you say, you know, shame is part of our lives and it can be either good or bad. So mm -hmm. tell me about that. How can it be good and how can it be? Well, we know how it can be bad. Well, yeah, it, it, there can be times where shame can be good. So in Now I Become Myself, I describe how when I was a teenager, I was caught shoplifting and uh, my uh, parents found out and they sat me down in my room and told me I had brought shame on them and our family. And I remember afterwards feeling shame for what I did, but that motivated me to pursue a different path in life. And eventually, uh, not long thereafter, I met Christ. And so shame can create a new direction in our life. But if shame is something that we feel long-term, short-term, shame can be redemptive, but if we feel it long-term and if it becomes part of our identity, as Brene Brown says, if we are experiencing the, the painful sense that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging, that's when shame becomes toxic and really destructive. Yeah, going from I did something wrong to I am wrong. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so wise. And you know, you made a point in the book, which I appreciated that a lot of successful people experience this. And you named off some successful people who've admitted to it. So tell us about that. Really like, like you would think the fear of failure and shame happen from your failures, the things you're ashamed of, but even people who are succeeding in life that we would judge are still struggling with this. Yeah, so for example, my father-in-law was a successful chief executive officer in Japan. I was quite close to him and I was baffled by his insecurities and sense of not quite uh, being enough. Or take someone like Michelangelo, one of the greatest painters of all history. Uh, he once said while he was painting the frescoes on the Sistine Chapel, I am not a painter. He actually wrote that to to a friend of his in a sonnet and, th and then later uh, painted um, God's uh, connection with, with Adam. Wow, so yeah, it's, it's all of us. So if, I'm, if I have a lot of shame in my life, I'm a shame-based person, how does that present? How would I be acting? So shame can cause us to do one of two things. Shame can cause us to go small and shrink back and not show up for our lives, not, not speak out, not act in some way but shame can also cause us to go big mm. and, and try and do something great in order to prove that we are worthy. Mm. So we might wanna be more of a success, work harder, have a better body maybe, follow religious rules. Like why is none of that working to kind of kill the shame? Because we think it does work, right? That's why we're doing it. Yeah, Thomas Martin, a, a very wise writer on the spiritual life said that we tend to feel invisible and so, uh, we, we wrap ourselves with bandages of achievement, of material possessions, of pleasures, of trying to build a reputation that makes us feel special. 
But none of these things actually can take away our shame. When we live a life trying to define ourselves by what we do or what we have or by what others think of us, Merton says we're living from what he calls the false self. The only way to really break free from our shame and to receive our identity as God's children, as those made in his image, is to experience a sense of God's love for us. Not just to know it in our head, but to deeply experience it. Mm, that's why not, now I become myself is the name of the book, because the false self is what so many of us are living out of, trying mm -hmm. to put on this big show. So if we need to experience God's love, now you say that when we feel shame, we put up walls to protect ourselves from rejection, from the pain that we felt from our failures, but that wall also keeps love out. So how do we, when we've been hurt or you know disappointed people, how do we tear down that wall and experience God's love? Yeah, so when, when we are hurt, we tend to put up, put up walls, as, as you're saying, as I've written about. And what we need to do is ideally find someone or believe that God is trustworthy and then really open up to God. You know, when we name something painful, an emotion like shame, uh, if we were to put a, a scanner on your brain, uh, the scan would show that as you name the emotion of shame or envy or, or anger or, or sadness, that the emotional center of your brain actually calms down, that, that you experience solace. And certainly when we do that in the presence of God and, and name shame or name a painful emotion, we will feel comfort, but we will also feel the sense of peace that comes from, from God's presence. If we're willing to be vulnerable, we uh, may open ourselves up we think to, to hurt, but we also open our up, ourselves up to the possibility of experiencing real comfort and healing as well. So it's kind of getting honest with God about mm -hmm. what you're really feeling. And at the end of every chapter of this book, which I really appreciated, you have a time of prayer and you, you lead us in this breath prayer, this kind of an idea of how we meditate and connect with God. Can you just tell me a little bit about that? Because I thought this book, if people actually go through those chapters every every chapter and do those prayers and really spend time diving into this, that they could really experience new freedom and healing. Yeah, so you mentioned the breath prayer. So I, at the end of the chapters, as you mentioned, I have these prayer exercises where people can not only know about God's love, but actually experience it. And so one of the practices I describe is something called a silent centering prayer, where I simply sit and take time to breathe deeply and receive the, the breath of God. So in Hebrew and Greek, in the languages originally um, uh, written for the Bible, the words for breath and spirit are one and the same. And so as I breathe in deeply, I remind myself that I am receiving the very breath or the spirit of God. As I exhale, I let go of my anxiety or feelings of shame or envy or anger. Let go of those. Breathe in the very breath or spirit of God. And my mind tends to wander. I tend to be a very easily distracted person. At any given time, I can feel like there are 132 monkeys same. jumping around in my same, head. Same. So I use a simple word like love to remind me of God's nature and God's attitude toward me, toward us. Breathe in deeply, receive the Spirit. Use the sacred word love to remind myself that God is love and that I am loved. And 
I do this for several minutes, and afterwards I tend to feel a little more centered, a little bit more aware of God's presence, a little bit more of God's love, and so it really is a gift, and it, it has been transformative for me. And those breath prayers, there's a physiological aspect to that breathing, isn't there, in terms of calming down our whole nervous system? Yeah, there, there is. So when we, we breathe in, that energizes us. Uh, psychiatrists and social scientists describe that as um, activating our sympathetic nervous system. But when we exhale, especially when we do a slow exhale, that activates our parasympathetic nervous system, which actually calms us, relaxes us, fills us with a greater sense of peace. So something is happening on a spiritual level as we breathe in the breath of God, but also on a physiological level. It's bringing wellness to us. And I think too, you know, lies are at the root sometimes of the shame. So somebody could be watching this and saying, you know, um, I failed God in a way that he could never forgive. And so, you know, you're, you're basing your truth on what we know of God's nature in the Bible. But if somebody's maybe struggling with those truths, struggling to believe those truths about themselves, or the, maybe they've made just such a huge mistake, they can't forgive themselves. How do you, what, what advice would you have for them to start this journey of being more free? Because we know that God's heart for every person listening to this interview is freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, God really does want us to be free. Jesus said, when you know the truth and live in the truth, you'll be set free. And the fact is, a person may feel like they failed, like they're, they're a loser, that they're unworthy, but God doesn't see them that way. God doesn't see you that way. God doesn't see me that way. And when we turn to the truth, for example, in God's Word, that, that nothing in all creation, not uh, life, not death, not the present nor the future, not demons, not anything in all creation, including our failures or our perceived failures, can separate us from the love of God. That brings freedom. John says in, in 1 John 4, 18, that perfect Love casts out fear, including the fear of rejection, which is at the core of shame. So when we embrace God's love and experience it, we are set free from the fear of rejection, shame, and, and we can walk with more joy and lightness of being. There's so many things in this book that I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> you know, envy, envy in comparison. How do you deal with that when, you're, when you feel like you failed and other people seem to be doing so good on our social reels? You know, that, that trap is just waiting for us. There's so many great things that you address in this book. Thank you so much for diving into this issue. I know it's going to encourage so many people in this interview as well. And there's so much more we can talk about, but we're out of time. Thanks, Cheryl. So great to be with you and, and your viewers. Wow, what an incredible conversation with Ken. You know, the idea that we can either go big because of our shame or we can get really small and shrink away because of our shame really resonates with me. And I can see both, you know, I can see both at times in my life. I think that I've tended to go small and really just disappear uh, in the face of shame of things that either I've done or what, got, you know, has happened to me. You know, you think when you look at the Bible and the biblical narratives, the first um, time we see humans feel shame is when Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden and they've sinned, you know, they've chosen to eat the fruit uh, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they've disobeyed God and suddenly they're aware of their nakedness and they feel shame. And, uh, you know, that's interesting because God, is re as a response to that, you know, he deals with them, but he also creates clothing for them to cover them. So to cover their nakedness and to cover their shame. And I can't help but think of Jesus, how 
um, you know, humans, we have done so many things to each other as well as to ourselves that cause shame, right? There's so much sin that's rampant in the human heart and it impacts uh, people with issues of shame all the time. And yet God provided Jesus, this, his son, uh, as, as a living sacrifice to come and die on the cross for our sins so that our shame could be eradicated once and for all because his provision of his perfect son covers us and covers our shame. You know, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you're carrying the weight of shame, maybe things that have happened to you, things that have been done to you, things you've done, I want to encourage you to make that choice to follow Jesus today. The reality is that when we make the choice to follow Jesus, our shame is covered by the what he has done for us on the cross. And it's not a perfect um it's, it's a perfect covering spiritually, but it's not a perfect reality in our minds while we still live on earth. So we've got to unpack our shame and we work on it all the time as followers of Jesus. But, uh, you know, God equips us. God leads us to do that. There are so many Bible verses um, that are in the Bible to help us overcome our shame. And so, you know, that's always such a word of encouragement. First um, Peter 4.16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Uh, you know, also making sure that um, we continue to c- turn to God in our times of need and just to be dependent on God if we're struggling with shame, because often he wants to do a deeper work of healing in us. He wants to expose the secrets and, um, you know, stop the silencing of, of our hearts and our experiences and stop us from feeling so judged that we can't uh, move past issues that have happened or the things we've done. And so in this moment, you know, let me just invite you to make that choice to follow Jesus and to turn to God with those things that are creating shame in your life. And it's so simple. All you have to do is just pray a very simple prayer. And I'd love to lead you in that prayer right now. And uh, so if you just close your eyes and take a moment with me, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe that you sent him to earth to die on the cross for my sins. I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. I ask that you would heal me from the things that have been done to me. And I thank you, God, that you would take my shame away and you would bring true freedom and true restoration in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer, then heaven is rejoicing and it is the beginning of a whole new life for you, my friend. God does not want us living in shame. God does not want us to allow the poisonous ideas of shame to trick our brains and destroy us from the inside out. What God wants is for our, his love to take root in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives and to redeem us and transform us from the inside out. And so that's a promise for you that's in the Bible, and you can count on it. God is doing a great work in your life, and trust that work. Trust the journey which you've just begun with Jesus. And you know, if you continue to struggle in any way with shame, please continue to pray. Call our prayer partners at 1-866-273-4444. There will be someone to pray with you on that journey to turn over those things that are a burden to you to God so that he can fill you afresh with his love and renewed strength and hope. Well, I'm so thankful you've joined this conversation today. I'm thankful that 
you are listening in, and I'm so thankful that your heart is turning towards God as you move forward in your journey with Him. Until next time, friends, God bless you. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre of Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing 100 Huntley Street. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.